0: This is your coffee break. Hey friends, I'm back again this week, and I have with me a very exciting guest for you. Today we have Andy Chamberlain, who is the, I want to say everything, the producer, the host, (laughs) the creator of the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast, which is a really lovely podcast. I had the chance to be on his show um, for his 100th episode, so I encourage you to go listen to that, listen to all of his podcasts, and in the meantime, welcome to the show, Andy.
1: Thank you very much, Sarah. It's great to be here.
0: So tell me a little bit about why you started podcasting about writing.
1: So about four years ago, I guess, uh, I was thinking I need to learn more about writing. And I had some writing books, books on writing, which were great. uh, And there are a few that I really do use quite a lot. Uh, But I enjoyed listening to podcasts. I thought, I'll tell you what, I'll find myself a podcast on writing, on, on the craft of writing. And I had a look around and there were there were one or two um, and oh, there's there's podcasts out there which talk about um, sort of the aspects around not the, not the pure craft, but aspects surrounding it. Like, like right now, mm-hmm. uh, like your podcast. Um, there's other podcasts that, that focus perhaps exclusively on marketing. Um, there's a, there are some podcasts which sound like it's a bunch of old guys sitting in a room <laughs> laughing at each other. Um, and I listened to some of those. I thought that I'm not going to learn much from that. So um, and there was one podcast um, that I listened to. I thought, actually, this is quite good. And then it stopped after about 10 episodes or something. So I thought, I'll, I need, mm-hmm. if I'm going to get this stuff, I need to do it myself, um, which in some ways was an incredibly arrogant kind of approach. <laughs> I thought, really? Because what do I know about it? But I thought, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just, if, if I learn something and it's useful to me, I'll, I'll talk about it on my podcast. And the rest of the time, I'll just get guests on and they can talk about wise stuff. <laughs> so so that's what i did so this this was about as i said about three and a half years ago the creative writers tool belt podcast was born i thought well i'll give you know i'll just i'll do maybe two or three episodes and see how it gets on uh, and yeah as you said 100 episodes later it's still going
0: well congrats your show is awesome i love listening to it it is incredibly inspirational for writers everywhere and if you're listening to this please go Please, well, maybe not right now because we're in the middle of talking to you, but once once we're done with this episode, go check out Andy's podcast. I think that you will find it a lovely experience. So you, you sort of started into podcasting about writing because you wanted to learn, and I think that's a wonderful and pure reason and not arrogant at all. And <laughs> I would love to hear about some of these valuable lessons that you've learned about writing along the way. And I don't know if this is going to be a spoiler alert or not. Andy has a book coming out soon that is, I I believe, a companion piece to his Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast called The Creative Writers Toolbelt Handbook. And that's coming out this October?
1: That's right, yes. So um, I'm not sure when you're... When this podcast is going to be released so it might already be out if if you're if this is out after October 2017 Then that book is out there Uh, And you're right. It is called the creative writers tool belt handbook and it's going to be The very best advice and insight that i've had from all of my guests and i've had about 20 to 25 guests over that time And stuff the best stuff that I found out and i've taken it all and condensed it and crammed it in to one book and that was that was something that I wanted to do from fairly on early on with the podcast. I thought some people, okay, they may not want to listen to 100 podcasts, um, but I can give them everything in a single book. And that was the whole point of it, yeah.
0: I love it. So I think what I'd like to dig into today in this episode is just some of that wisdom that you've gained. And sure. I can say the same thing with my show. I love talking to people and I have gotten... The most incredible advice and tips and inspiration <laughs> from the people i've talked to so if you wouldn't mind would you share maybe some of your favorite i don't know if i should call them tools from the tool belt or uh what whatever you can certainly works. call
1: them that yeah well, that's <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to to put them um and i should say as well just briefly it's the fact that it's a tool belt the, the fact that it's called the creative voice tool belt is very deliberate in that i wanted to give people very practical accessible advice which hopefully as much as possible of it when a writer hears that that advice they're able to say that makes sense i could use it straight away it's kind of it's right there it's it's i don't have to kind of go and get a toolbox i don't have to go anywhere it's on my tool belt i can just use it almost subconsciously straight away Uh, and one of the examples that springs to mind which for me was like yeah i think this is how it works i i I look at different areas of writing in the podcast and one of them is setting. Mm. So setting, world building, that kind of stuff. And I think that there are two fundamental things to bear in mind with setting. And that is that a setting has to be credible and immersive. And that I talk quite a lot in the podcast about those two things. And what I mean by that is the setting has to be believable in the sense that the writer, perhaps subconscious, the, the reader subconsciously thinks I believe it. I believe this this place that you've created, perhaps a historical setting. It could be a fantasy setting. Um, it could be a romance setting, whatever it is. In, in a sense, it doesn't matter. The the reader says, I believe in it. It's it's credible. It's not necessarily true, but hmm. it's credible. So I'll, and I, I, I like to think of that as like, it's a chair. The readers looked at this chair and thought, I can trust myself with that chair. I can sit on it. Um, and once they're in it, it then has to be immersive. So it's all very well creating a setting which is believable, but it actually has to immerse the reader as well. So it has to be a comfy chair. Hmm. It can't be a kind of really saggy old sofa that's just going to fall apart as soon as they sit in it, but it doesn't want to be a really hard, uncomfortable chair either. It has to be just, I mean, this is sounding a bit like Goldilocks almost. Isn't it? <laughs> but it's got to be just right. And so I've, so a lot of the the tools that I present come out of that thinking that if I, I think if i can if i'm writing something and my setting is credible and immersive uh, and those two things complement each other then i think i'm onto i i've done okay as far as the settings concerned
0: i know that another thing you focus on is is good examples of doing things in your show and so do you have a favorite setting that is both credible and immersive that could kind of illustrate this
1: yeah there's uh, there's a number that spring to mind um perhaps but the one that immediately i think of that is is quite a uh, a famous one is is tolkien's middle earth mm. uh, which is an interesting example because it it really really doesn't exist you know in the sense that it is a fantasy setting but uh, but tolkien spent years decades researching and thinking about that setting and you can tell in in writers that have really thought hard about setting They'll have a lot of backstory. They'll have a lot of stuff that that isn't present, but you can, it sort of comes through the work. You can, you can sense it. And Tolkien is a great example of this. So when he's talking about the language and the culture, that the races of people in Middle Earth, when he's talking about the geographical details, although they although they're all imaginary, they are credible, and you can, you can, you can believe yes that the i can believe in the white city i can believe in Minas Tirith. i can believe in rohan i can believe in the shire all of those places it's i can i it's it's believable in the sense of being credible and of course because it there's so much rich detail there it's so immersive um another great example uh, as well I mean, a lot of people would have read these books um jk rowling's mm. books the harry potter series again complete fantasy but but the detail and the precision in them and the richness of it make the setting credible and immersive.
0: So if I'm a, maybe a new writer, someone who's not exactly sure of what they're doing, they, mm. they really want to craft a credible and immersive setting, is there a piece of advice that you would give them that would say, hey, this is a good place to start, or this is really uh, the right path to take toward creating this really good setting?
1: so um probably the the best bit of advice is when i just slightly hinted at just now um credible settings have precision Mm. i think and they also have a lot of sensory detail so it's for example it's one thing if if you you're, you're creating your environment as a writer and you say okay there is this village in the valley let's say it's a village it's in a valley now that is not enough detail in itself to create a credible setting. If you are writing a story about some little village in a valley, then you need to talk about things like the, the material the buildings are made of. Um, what uh, what what's the surrounding terrain like? What does it, what does it look like? I use a phrase in, in, in my podcast and I'm going to use it again and again in the book, which is all these things need to be sparse and specific. So I don't think you should give an awful lot of detail in stories to, to, around setting, and this would be true of character detail as well, mm-hmm. but it has to be very specific. So, and part of that as well is using all of the senses. So if you walk into that village in the valley, then describe, if somebody was visiting, you would describe um, the colour of the earth under their shoes, the the smell perhaps of, of there may be some, some fires going on. There may be uh, there may be, it may be the smell of smoke. It may be the smell of animals. It may be some other smell. Um, there may be... A tree with some fruit on it, what is that what is that fruit? What does it look like? What color is it? What does it taste like if you if you pull one of the fruits off that tree? So there's these two areas, and and they they would be tools on the tool belt, I I think, certainly for setting and for other dimensions, which is be very specific and use the senses. Mm -hmm. Because if you can do that and you can get the balance right with those things, then you've it helps people to believe something if it's very specific and it helps them to be immersed in it if all of their senses are engaged
0: oh i would agree with that so much (laughs) i remember one of the things uh when you and i recorded the 100th episode for your show um we we kind of thought we would have a a really nice debate and maybe disagree on a lot of points but i think for the (laughs) most part we're we're just like well i agree with you so i guess let's move on so i i i I love what you say and and i just i agree with that so much the word i want to focus on here is balance you said the word balance. And I think that that's a very, it's a very uh, important word here, and it's also very difficult to achieve. It's very easy. I think it's maybe even easier to go overboard uh, with the sensory detail and to say, well, I need to say what color everyone's hair is, and I need to say what kind of fruit is on every tree. But when you say that uh, balancing the specific and the sparse uh, with that richness. Uh, that's so wonderful. I know J.K. Rowling does a wonderful job of that. By drawing your attention, and, and having you focus on just one or two details that are very bright mm-hmm. and very clear and very yes. rich. Some of my yes. favorite writers do that. And that is how that really cements the scene in my mind, at least. Um, yeah, so my gosh. So I'm just basically I'm just saying, yes, I agree with you so much. <laughs> Good.
1: Well we, we we I I do remember when we did that, uh when we had our conversation, um I, eventually we found something that we disagreed on, didn't we? Which was quite amusing. But most of the time we were kind of on the same page <laughs> like, yep. with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so um that that is incredibly wonderful and it's it's also like you said it's great for characters so if you have a character with an unusual color of hair or maybe they they just have something maybe a scar on their face that you can focus on Mm. it identifies that character it helps calls them to mind it hammers home maybe an aspect of their personality that you want to hammer home Um, but those wonderful sparse specific yet rich details are so crucial so, so, you focus on a lot of different aspects. So, we, we talked a little bit about setting, and I know you have a number of other aspects you like to discuss. Mm.
1: Absolutely, yes. And um, we could be here for a long time,
0: actually. <laughs> you,
1: so, don't encourage me too much. We mentioned character then. Um, and character is another dimension where uh, I have some particular ideas about how character should be presented. I think there are, so for example, I think there are two fundamental requirements for character one of them is and it's slightly easier to comprehend i think one of them is based on some advice that i got from from a lady called jean cavellos who is a, a creative writing tutor um, and she says she she she's seen a lot of work particularly from newer writers and she says that the biggest issue that that writers who are just starting out have in terms of character certainly is that they don't give their protagonists a goal they don't give the protagonist something mm. to strive for so one of the two key factors particularly for the principles in in your cast and especially for a protagonist is that I I say that is that they have goal motivation and passion so I split it into those three categories where goal is is a very simple simple in the sense of easily understood might be difficult the goal but it's simple to to actually say yeah I could see what that goal is if you're Frodo Baggins your your goal is to destroy the ring Mm. okay so it's easy to say and everybody can understand it but it's quite a difficult goal Um, But underneath that, a good character will have motivation. So you then ask the question, why? Why does your character want to do this? Why does Frodo Baggins want to destroy the ring? Because he wants to defeat Sauron. Um, And I think for for a lot of stories, particularly classically told stories, you can do the same thing. You could say, what is the protagonist's goal? And it's essential, in fact, that you do that, I think, when you're creating a character in the context of a story. And then behind that, you've got passion. So, which is almost like asking another, a more deeper question. So, for example, in the the kind of Frodo one, why would Frodo want to overcome Sauron? Why does he want to defeat Sauron? Basically because he and others like Aragorn and Gandalf have a particular worldview. They have a way of thinking about how things should be. And it's not how Sauron wants things to be. So that when you get down to that level, you then have... An explanation for why there's going to be a conflict and why there is going to be a, a, a clash which again most of the great stories most of the great world stories have that clash so that's goal motivation and passion the other thing which is actually incredibly important but quite hard to get your head around is what I call character essence hmm. so for all of the characteristics a character has for all of the way they speak for all of the way they might dress all of these these features of them when we think about the people that we know in real life I think we think about them as a whole and there's something about them that makes us understand who they are as a whole. We don't just think of one aspect of them. We think about there's some things which come together and we think, yes, I know who Andy is. I know who Sarah is. I know who Bob or Fred or Doris are. There's an essence that they have and brilliant characters, well presented characters have that essence and it's hard, but that's, that's the, that's our, goal as writers is to create the character essence which readers will will recognize and they'll say yeah i I know who that character is and also give that character the goal motivation and passion they need and if you can get those two areas then you're well on the way to creating a great character
0: amen to that yes (laughs) that is so true and you you kind of have form and function here and i think that's Mm -hmm goal, motivation, and passion, I think those are, like you said, fairly easily understood, but boy, mm. like creating, or maybe the better word is developing that character essence. Where would you even start? Would you start something like that with tropes? Like, oh, this is the, you know, uh bandit with a heart of gold, or, you know, do you, do, where do you begin with that even?
1: There are, I think, a number of ways into it. And so some people achieve this by sitting their character down as it were and talking to them and asking them lots of questions and i think that's a way that's a that's a perfectly legitimate strategy for creating a character uh, so long as when you ask those questions the character gains a coherence in your Mm. mind Uh, the character becomes somebody who you think now I now i understand and i think particularly when we when we start out as writers one sign that we've got this is if you have a cast of characters in your story and one of them who you thought was maybe a, a more minor character suddenly butts into the story and is all over the place, that character, you've you've got their essence. Mm. That will that will be the reason why, because because there's something fundamentally they have become a coherent person somehow. Um, so. You can have all of these things like characteristics and, and you could do all those things, but the danger is you get almost a kind of pick and mix uh-huh. non character. All you've got is just a bunch of, of, of stuff. It's it's when in your mind you think, Oh, I'm beginning to understand who this person is um that's when you've got it. And no, it's not easy. Uh and as I said, it's it it just takes It takes hard work and it could be sometimes, um, you know, as you said, it could be the bandit with the heart of gold or or whatever that little comment you made was that might be enough for you to just get the basic essence, the true essence of the character. And then you can build all the other stuff around them, all of the other traits and characteristics and habits and the way they dress and whatever else around that. And and yeah, there's no easy, there isn't an easy way. There are ways to it, but there isn't a very easy way.
0: And that's why writing is hard work. Well, one yeah. of the reasons—that's <laughs> one of the many reasons
1: why writing is hard work. So, if you don't really want to write, don't do.
0: it. <laughs> <Yeah, don't. laughs>
1: um, one of the one of the things I do talk about in, uh, or we'll be talking about in the handbook is to, to help get that a ca- grip on that character. Essence is um, to give the character integrity. So it's really important. This doesn't mean they're in. Give them integrity, and in that they're decent, upright citizens, and they're all you know kind to animals, and they're all always nice how they react and behave, and how they interact with other people, that should have a consistency about it. That helps to create the character essence.
0: Yes, it's one thing to have an outstanding like physical characteristic, or you know that detail Mm. that you focus on, it's quite Mm. another thing to feel like you know someone, and to know someone you need to understand them, and to understand them, they need to be consistent. I love that you used that word. And not, that doesn't, like you said, that doesn't mean boring, but it just means they need to have a personality and you need to understand how they will act and react. I love that. That's a wonderful (laughs) way of putting that.
1: I've had to learn this stuff myself. So I, I, I promised myself when I started the podcast that I wouldn't say anything in the podcast that I had that didn't make sense to me and that I hadn't used and tried myself um so there's no point in like there's a there's a whole bunch of of books on creative writing and they seem very worthy but actually it doesn't matter what's in them if as a writer you come to them and it doesn't make sense it doesn't click with you and it it doesn't make sense in your heart i can't think of a better way to to, to say it then it's then it's no good it's it's no it's it's not going to work um so it has to the the advice has to connect with you So for me, I I put all the stuff I hear through a filter of, yeah, does this, does this make sense to me? Or do I believe in it? If I don't, then I won't say it.
0: Is there, now I'm just curious, is there a piece of advice (laughs) that you receive that you're like, yeah, no, that's, that, that doesn't ring true for me.
1: Well, one of the things that I am wary of, and this comes back to creating characters, um, some people will advocate that you can always take a, a selection like, like a kind of lucky dip bag of mm. characteristics. And if you pull out four or five of those things, then you've created a character. Well, well, no, you haven't actually created a character. What you've done is you have done, you've got it as a, sort of a pick and mix of stuff. Um, it may be that you pick stuff out and in your head, you create a character. It, it, They all somehow come together. That alchemy works, but it doesn't, there's no guarantee of it. And actually, if you, It's very hard if you think uh, like every writer's done this. You think you've got a character, but and you try and write a story with them, and you haven't got a character. What you've got is a bunch of characteristics, Mm -hmm. and the story doesn't work. The story doesn't work because you haven't actually populated it with a person, and it and then it and it and it doesn't work. So, so that's a piece of advice that I would. There's there's nothing wrong with having lists of characteristics and all that stuff, but generally. I think you need to have the essence as a foundation and the motivation and goal as well as foundations
0: first. Agree. And going back to that motivation and goal, I, I noticed as a beginning writer, my biggest, uh, the biggest flaw, well, one of the biggest flaws in what I was writing was I was creating characters who didn't take action. They were merely reacting to mm. things that were going on around them. And I, I think that is the mark of an immature writer. And I, I think most of us do start out that way. It, it actually takes an enormous amount of, foresight and guts to have your character take action and take charge of the world that you're putting them in and
1: yeah, yeah. that is true that really is true yeah yeah and, and that's i hadn't really thought about it like that but that, that, that's so i'm learning something now i need to write that <laughs> down that's uh, you're right it does it takes it takes courage and vision to mm. make your character do something vision we like that <laughs> word <laughs> yeah and that's i and and it's it's so true really and i I think if you've got those two, that character essence and goal, motivation, passion, if you've got those, then you can start to build stuff around. You can build characteristics onto your character. Mm-hmm. You can develop how they would interact with other people. You can even develop an interior life for them, which I think is quite fun and, and quite useful in certain bits of writing. So it's quite fun sometimes to have within the story, if the point of view allows it, you actually write what the character's thinking and if it's a, if it's very different from what's going on or what people might be think they're thinking then you've you that could be quite fun and it can create some tension and uh, and it can move the story along a bit
0: oh i love that i agree i'm i'm one of the people i think with first person narrators you either love them or hate them i love them and i love getting inside <laughs> characters heads so that interior life for me is just it's just an extra treat uh when i'm reading something and when i'm writing it yeah. too it's fun to have that come out so <laughs> So we've talked about setting. We've talked about character. Um, tell me a little bit more about this uh, sort of foundation that we're that we're building here.
1: The foundational bits for me are um, character that we've talked about, setting that we've talked about, and and understanding what a story is. Mm. And my my approach to understanding what a story is is uh, self confessedly very traditional. So there are different models of story and different formats that stories take. Uh, And and there are some brilliant stories across all of those formats But when I looked at stories, I looked at the the really great stories um, That have stood the test of time and also from different parts of the world So one of the things I I'm gonna be talking about in my book is I think I give two or three examples of stories That are very old thousands of years old and they they have been Created in completely different parts of the world uh, by people who would have had no contact with each other And yet those stories, when you look at them, have a lot of similarities. So uh, for me, there is I think of stories in six stages and the the stories I've looked at have those stages. So a story starts with setting the scene. It starts with presenting an environment um, and saying, right, this is how we're going to start, guys, this 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 place here. And uh, quite often that environment has got something unsatisfactory in it. Um, So it will have a restless hero or it will have harry potter stuck in the cupboard under the stairs or it'll have we're all hobbits sitting in hobbiton having a good time but we've got this horrible ring or whatever it is there's something you know there's an itch there there's some there's a that's stage one stage two then is is like the inciting incident something happens which incites the story to get going here here is where the story really kicks off um stage three then is what i call the momentum stage which is where the engine of the story gets going the the people may may start to come towards each other in terms of conflict characters are developed the story is developed the setting is developed and then you move to uh the stage stage four which is the crisis stage and the word crisis has greek roots so it's it's an ancient greek word and it it speaks of there being a decision Hmm. which i think is a great way to think of that word so it's not crisis in this in the sense of something terrible has happened it's crisis in the sense of all of the characters have to make a decision. Which way are they going to go? Um, and then after that, you have stage five, which is the climax. So if there's going to be, you know, if there's going to be a big battle, if it's all going to kick off. It kicks off in stage five, that climax. And then stage six is like the kind of closing stage. That's where things are resolved and the world gets back to, a, to normal. It may be a new normal, um, but it's normal. So if you've seen the first Star Wars film, stage six, uh, by first, I mean the, the one that was originally made, part mm, four. Mm-hmm. Stage six is where everybody gets a medal at the end. Pan Solo gets a medal and Luke Skywalker gets a medal. And, and Princess Leia kind of grins at them all and everybody claps. And then, you know, that's like we're all happy because <laughs> we've we've come back to the new normal, if you like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that that sense of a story starting, rising to a climax and then falling off again um is is very you know I, I certainly didn't make that up there's a lot of uh there's there's plenty of story theory out there that people can see but i believe in that that model so the fundamental model for stories and you can look at stories from uh five ten thousand years ago and and they all have that shape they have that that sense of we have a set, setting two normally two forces come together in conflict that are mutually exclusive um they have to conflict with each other it's like it's like you know Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort they can't both exist
0: mm-hmm.
1: they, they 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 can't one of them one of them's going to be the winner uh so there rises to a conflict and then it falls away, and we have a resolution and that that for me that's the model of a great story
0: okay, this is going to be a very leading and obvious question. If I follow <laughs> the six step formula, will I have a bestseller on my hands
1: um Not necessarily. (laughs) Not necessarily. Uh, And actually, if we're honest, as writers, we wouldn't want it to be uh, totally a science, we wouldn't 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 want it to be just a pure formula writing, because Mm -hmm. there is always that, that magic ingredient, that piece of imagination, that spark, that writers have to work towards. So uh, no, you wouldn't necessarily have a bestseller, but you might, it might help you towards one. You know, it might help. Um, perhaps bestseller isn't it isn't necessarily the best way to think about it. It's it's what's going to get me a really good story. Mm. What's going to get me a story which, yeah, now that actually is, a, is an interesting story. And you've piqued the reader's interest. And that I, I would say that is that that model, that formula that I've, I've talked about. And it's, a, it's nothing new um, is the best way to create the framework for a story that will interest people.
0: Definitely. Do you see room in here for sort of subverting or sort of playing with people's expectations within the story structure? Oh,
1: definitely. That is, that's the best leading question you've asked me actually that (laughs) one Just right there. Tell me more. So, um, one of the things that I, uh, I've talked about, uh, again, I'll talk about this in the book is, is genre. And writers have a bit of a love hate relationship with genre in that, um, most of the writers i know when they write something they say well it's sort of in this genre you know, it's sort of fantasy but it's also romance but it's also a bit of paranormal but there's horror in it and then or whatever it is actually it's historical as well whatever so no writer really likes to be pigeonholed but booksellers and publishers like genres so that they can say to the public so their marketing people can hang a label on it so that books st- stores know where to put the book yeah it is paranormal romance or it is fantasy or it is historical fiction or whatever it is um but genre is our friend as writers and when we are when we have a genre and when we have the tropes that are associated with the genre so by by tropes i mean the 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 kind of aspects of story which seem to go with a particular trope so uh, uh, to give you a sort of blunt example the fantasy genre has plenty of tropes around wizards around dwarves and elves and magic and and all of this sort of stuff um but people have seen that a lot of that, and people come to these genres to see those tropes uh, and you need to give them those but the best thing to do then is to twist them in some way so take a take something which the reader is familiar with and then twist it so that in fact it, it goes in an unusual direction
0: do you have a favorite example of this
1: i'm so glad you asked me that i was just <laughs> thinking sarah's going to ask me if i've got an example of oh this. i will um <laughs> so one of the examples that i have used is uh the story of cinderella so i always i i, I always use examples or not always i i try to use examples from books which as many people as possible will know or stories that as many people as possible will know so the story of cinderella um here's cinderella and she's with mum and dad their mum dies and dad marries a, she's now got a stepmom and two horrible sisters then dad dies and she's becomes the servant to this cruel stepmother and the two stepsisters we know we know this kind of this context um now i've I, I so i've talked about why don't we we twist that story so that instead of there being two ugly sisters there is what seems to be a very spoilt son so now you've got the stepmom her son and cinderella so i've twisted it slightly and we can still have the prince and we can still have the castle and there's still going to be a, a banquet or a ball or a big party or something but i can then take the story in a different in a different direction so let's say that the sun and cinderella we have a scene where they are talking to each other in a room uh, on their own and uh, now that why would they be doing that maybe there's some romance going on there or i could actually say that that yes cinderella is going to go to the ball but she's not going to go to the ball to meet the prince she and the son are on a heist they're <laughs> gonna they're gonna put her into the the banquet so while this banquet's going on cinderella's gonna she can she can still go there in a beautiful carriage and a, a beautiful dress but she's going to grab as many of the jewels as she can and get out and she's in <laughs> in league with the sun and so, on. so the point i'm making there is not that not the merits of that particular story at all but that you take you take something and you twist it when the damsel in distress needs to be rescued by uh, the knight on the horse um we twist that so in fact you know it's the damsel in dis- it's it's the lady on the horse who rescues the prince or the lady doesn't want to be rescued because actually she the dragon is her pet or whatever <laughs> The examples only matter, are are only relevant insofar as showing showing the concept. Mm. So that's the way to treat genre, I think, Um, is there's nothing wrong with genre. People want genre and tropes. Readers want to see those things, but they want to see a different treatment of Mm. them. And Mm. that's so you twist that trope in some way to intrigue the readers. And they then think, oh, well, where's this going to go now?
0: Yes, I love it. I love it, and and it's one of the most fun things. is As someone who reads a lot and somebody who loves being surprised, I I adore it when writers are able to mm. twist something outside of my expectation. It just it just brings me so much more delight in what I'm reading. Um, so I, just as a reader and as a writer, it's just fun to play around with that stuff. It's, I kind of love where you're fun. going with it's the right. Yeah,
1: yeah, it should be fun, and it should. It's great as a writer when you think you have an idea and you think, hey, that's quite, that's quite good. You know, I won't brag about it, but that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> and then you, you know, you're onto a winner there. And it's fun. It makes writing fun. and It makes reading it fun as well.
0: So I'm curious. So you've written a, a nonfiction book. You've written the Creative Writers Tool Belt Handbook. Yes. Um, but but you also talk about uh, loving writing. Do you love fiction? Do you write fiction? Do you write other things as well? I'm very curious.
1: Um I have written other things uh, I've I've written fiction um, and I've also been a ghostwriter so I've done a number of projects where I've written other people's stories for them and quite a lot of these tools that I'm talking about will apply in that context if, if you're if you're if you're writing autobiography or you are writing somebody's biography you're writing the story of a family member or whatever all these things still apply Um I've written some short science fiction stories which have been great fun to write and um with hindsight i think what i've been doing with those is practicing some of these things mm. that i'm talking about with you um to be honest with you though the last three or four years because i've been working on the podcast and because i have been i was working on quite a large um ghostwriting project with somebody and now I'm writing the book for the podcast. So probably in the last three or four years, I haven't really written much fiction. So once this book is out, and perhaps anybody hearing this, the book is now out. I'm <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'm now writing some fiction. I've got an idea that I've been working on for far too long that I need to get on, on with, really.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Write that. Yes.
1: I, I hope so.
0: Also, I didn't know you did ghostwriting. I, I do that, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. I have done quite a bit of that. Yes. Um, oh yeah. And it's it's great fun, but it's really hard, as you know, I think it, it's really hard work.
0: Yes. <laughs> um,
1: to really faithfully represent somebody's story and their voice, and to capture something of their life and present it without getting in the, the getting in the, that's the art with a mm-hmm. with a ghostwriter. You don't get in the way. You're mm-hmm. just presenting the stuff. Um, that can be quite hard work.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What's your favorite thing about writing?
1: Uh, my favorite thing about writing is that moment where you've had a session writing stuff and you come away and you think, actually that's pretty good. Mm. I'm quite happy with what I've written there. I'm quite, I feel like I've done some good work and I've written something that I'm reasonably pleased with. Um and I, that can come even with really being pleased with creating a, char- a character that's got that character essence that we were talking about,
0: mm-hmm. creating
1: a character and thinking, yeah, I understand who that character is. That's a great feeling, I think. Or, uh, you know, that yeah, just that sense that, yeah, I've done some good work. I mean, we're paranoid creatures as writers, <laughs> so it doesn't happen very often. But, um, yeah, for me, that's that's like, yeah, that's a good moment.
0: I love that, too. I love that. Just, I don't know, there's just something very heady about the act of creation that's just...
1: Mm, I absolutely love
0: that the other question well I have two Mm. more one of the things that you touched on earlier and if you don't remember that's fine um you mentioned the word spark and it's when we were talking about story structure you said you know we have these sort of uh the the six different sort of steps of a good story Mm. structure Mm. but really what makes it good is that spark that plot that you that you throw in there can you tell us a little bit more what you mean by that
1: many stories have probably all of the stories of the kind that i'm talking about have some fundamental principle or some fundamental thing around which they turn and it's usually i think an expression of the conflict that's going on so again to come back to tolkien and the lord of the rings um the whole thing there's a lot goes on in 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 that epic story but it really does turn on the fate of the ring
0: hmm.
1: and what happens to the ring and finding that finding that that core of the story so I, especially you could almost call it the story essence I wouldn't necessarily call it that but it's if there's a character essence it's like the essence hmm. of the story what is this it's answering what is perhaps the most difficult question that you can ask a writer which is what is your story about <laughs> yeah because that can that has so many answers at so many levels That question that uh, it's actually really one, one of the things I talk about, and again, I've, I've borrowed this from from other people. It's a great exercise to say, in 15 words, what's your story about, or in 50 words, what is your story about? Really, what is it about? And and thinking about that, and if you can get to an answer to that, then you've probably got what what that spark is, that thing around which the whole story turns.
0: I love that, especially as just an exercise, maybe as you're sort of looking at your screen in despair, maybe it will help sort of, okay, what is this really about? And it helps distill down, yes, into its its essence, like you said. Oh, this is awesome. My last question for you (laughs) is, if people are interested in buying your book, if they're interested in listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast, if they're interested in finding you online, what do they do and where do they go?
1: um so if if anyone is interested in finding out about the podcast uh, all they've got to do is is put uh, the creative writers tool belt into their search engine and it'll pop up it's on iTunes it's on all of the kind of usual major um, podcast managers so it's it's out there relatively easy to find I'd say assuming this podcast has gone out after October and assuming I've got the book published um, <laughs> it'll be available on amazon i imagine if you just put the creative writers toolbar handbook into a search engine you'll find it uh, there'll be a link on my website to it as well it will be available as an ebook or in print as a paperback um, so yeah you could go to my uh, website which is andrewjchamberlain.com uh, and i will have got my act together by now i hope and got got a link to the book there
0: Wonderful. That's andrewjchamberlain.com. And I will That's make it. sure that I link to that in the show notes for today's okay, episode. Thank you. Yes. Um, cool. Gosh, this has been such a, I, I just feel like I could talk to you all day about writing. and It was just <laughs> like you said, never end. And so yeah, I thank- could go on. <laughs> Thank you for your time today. This has been wonderful. Listeners, please do check out the Creative Writers Tool Belt podcast and handbook. Um, Both should be out by the time this episode airs. Andy, thank you again for your time and all of the learning you've done. Oh, gosh.